found the Winding Road Podcast, hosted by Jason and Isaac. We're two friends who are sitting in the driveway just chatting about cars over some drinks, while two of our favorite cars are sitting behind us shining in the sun. We never know where the conversation will go, but we hope you join us. Welcome back, everyone. Today is a special episode. We have special guest Mike Grasso here. Uh, you can find him online on YouTube and Instagram at the Automotive Junkie. Uh, on Instagram, it's the underscore automotive underscore junkie. Is it the same for YouTube as well, Mike? Uh, YouTube, I believe, is all just, you don't have to put the uh, underscores in. Okay. I think if you cool. just search the Automotive Junkie, yeah. you should find me. Cool. Sound good. And you are also another local person. Um, Jason has met you before. I have not, but you're uh, just a few minutes away from me. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, in Phoenixville area, so not uh, too far away, but always uh, try to hit up all of the events along the main line and uh, even head out to Harrisburg sometimes for some things. So. Okay. Where have you been in Harrisburg? I've uh, gone to a couple of the street speed events. Um, he's held a few of them at um, an old closed down mall out okay. there. Um, I know they're put on by, I guess it's like the upper Paxton police department. Okay. Um, they do like a canines and coffee event. Uh, and then it's usually some sort of toy, toy drive. So nice. uh, done that a few times and it's always a good time. Cool. Yeah. That's one thing you guys have more so in common, you and Jason than, than I, Jason likes to get to some car shows and cars and coffee and stuff like that. I, it's lower on my radar. So I don't, I've only been to, I think one cars and coffee. Um, but it's definitely something that we talk about from time to time. Yeah, I think that's where we ran into each other a few times, Mike. Um, yep. uh, specifically at the uh, the Just Joes. That seems to be a pretty good show. I went out to, um, I want to say Wayne, a couple of weeks ago. And I've never been to that one before. And you see a lot of the, you know, you see a lot of the same faces and all these things. Um, but that one was cool because I saw a lot of uh, new people, um, a lot of, you know, more... I would say more exotics there than you'd see at Just Joe's. Um, so that was cool. It was just a different experience. Yeah, I would say it's it's very interesting for our area. We're, we're very fortunate, like the Philadelphia area in general and the suburbs of Philadelphia, because um, RDS Automotive Group uh, is a huge uh, player in the exotic world. So okay. uh, they're actually opening a Lamborghini of Philadelphia um, they already own uh, Alvar Ferrari. They bought Alvar Ferrari. Um, they have the McLaren dealership. They own Porsche of the main line. Um, wow. and, uh, Maserati. Maserati. Yep. So that's all part of RDS group. And from what I'm told, there's more, more coming. Uh, so they are a big player in the area. And uh, because they're here, uh, we're very fortunate to see a lot of those kinds of cars in our area. A lot of times you go to the mainline Cars and Coffee and you see, you know, Lamborghinis, McLarens, and, and they're, you know, all kinds of models of them. So mm -hmm. how's the vet running? The vet has been sold. I don't have the you, vet you, anymore. You I got rid of it? Did I you did. really? Yes. So that was, um, it was bittersweet. Um you know, between buying a house, I kind of had to, yeah. uh, you know, consolidate my vehicles. And uh, unfortunately, I, I mean, the plus side is, is I have to say the, the car market, the, you know, 
buying and selling market is a little crazy. And, um, you know, I actually still made money on the car, uh, didn't really lose anything on it, which was fantastic. Um, same thing with my Bronco. I had the Bronco Sport. Um, that was something that I had ordered, took me four months to get it in, um, had it for a couple months, and then sold that as well, and actually got paid about three grand over what the sticker price was. Wow. Uh, for a used you know, Bronco sport yeah. at the time. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Crazy market. So what do you have? What do you have now? What's in the stable? So right now my primary is a BMW. Uh, it's a 2019 BMW 430i Grand Coupe. Um, and, you know, just made some slight modifications to it. Nothing too drastic. I put a drop in K&N filter and uh, upgraded the wheels and tires. Uh, had the windows tinted at uh, Berardi's and uh, you know, it's, it's just a good looking car and mm. uh, rides great. I love the utility of it. It's um, very versatile. So uh, been having a lot of fun with that. With, <clears throat> with the, with the vet, did you get, did you trade it in or did you sell it? I um, ended up selling it actually. Um, that was just a straight sale. It actually leads into one of the um, listener questions Yeah, uh, on Instagram. Someone say beer asked, uh, do you regret not buying a C8? Um, so yes and no. And I'll, I'll say it this way. I, looking back now, I do regret not getting the C8. So I was on a wait list for it. And, um, you know, I waited probably eight or nine months to actually get the phone call saying, hey, you, your allocation's up. You can come in and put an order in. And uh, unfortunately, the timing just did not work out for me. Uh, it, again, it was I was in the process of buying a house. And uh, obviously, I would have had to sell. I would have traded the, you know, the other Corvette that I had at the time for that one. Uh, but the problem is, is that it was more so I could put the allocation in, but it was still about a two year process till I actually take delivery of the car. Um, so looking back now, it's like, I probably should have just started the process and gone through with it. And then two years from now, whatever, you, you know, who knows what the market would be, but still, mm -hmm. um, I think they're an amazing car for the money. Um, so yes, I do regret it. Unfortunately, it just, you know, the, the timing is what it is. And, and I kind of had to make the decision to not take delivery or, or go any further with it. But, but looking back, I, I wish I did. Nice. Yeah, they, they're great looking cars. And I think they've got great road presence. Uh, every time I see one, I just have to look at it. And uh, I, I am intrigued to see how GM um, progresses that model now that it's that it's mid engine. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting, because it's like, you know, I mean, really, so I've, I've had all kinds of cars, you know, I've, I've owned Mustangs, I've had a couple Mustangs, I've had a few Camaros, I've had a Corvette now. So I, I've kind of had all of the American muscle car, sports car kind of cars, um, you know, and I mean, at the end of the day, the Corvette, though, is still kind of like the top bar, you know, it really is, especially now with the mid engine, kind of like the American supercar. Uh, and it, and it really does have that presence and it's just an amazing vehicle. Uh, and I, and I have, a, you know, a handful of friends that, that own them, uh, and have them and, and it's nice to see their cars and, uh, you know, go for rides in them. But, uh, 
you know, maybe someday down the road, maybe, maybe there will be one uh, in my garage. Nice. Um, you have two BMWs in the driveway. Uh, which one was first or who has the BMW uh, draw that got you there? Yeah, so two BMWs in the driveway. My wife actually just picked up a, a BMW, an X1 um, that we got. So, uh, I, I mean, obviously, BMW has always been a car that I've enjoyed. Um, I honestly think that I lost count probably five, six ago. So I, I think the my current BMW is probably the eighth one that I've owned. Um, so, you know, I've, I've always kind of had a little place in my heart for BMW. I just, I love their performance. I love the way they drive and handle. Um, and as far as the luxury aspect, I think that was kind of the thing for my wife. So um, before I had the X3 M40i, which is an awesome SUV, plenty of power um, and just really, really handled well, very comfortable car. Um, that was one that when I sold that, it was a sad day. And, uh, you know, my wife was not happy with me that day, but, um, you know, it, it kind of came down to it. So she had a Jeep Wrangler and we've had that for uh, the last two years or so now. And uh, she had a, a, another Jeep prior to that and uh, has kind of always been in the Jeep world. But, um, you know, we were kind of playing around with the numbers, figuring some stuff out. And obviously, you know, it was kind of like, well, we can make a decision here and either buy the Jeep because it was coming off of a lease. Um, you know, we could either buy that or for roughly around the same price right now with the way the market is and everything, we could trade the Jeep and you can get a BMW. So, um, you know, that was something that she had always loved. She, she, BMW has kind of always been a dream car for her. Um, so that's where, where we ended up. So now we have two. Nice. Yeah, a lot of people are able to take advantage of the market right now. Um, I work, so I don't know if you know, I work at an Audi dealer and the amount of people I talk to that have leases that are ending and they can basically trade the car or buy out the lease and they're essentially getting a, a discount of several thousand dollars um, just to stay in their car. Because a lot of people are like, well, I don't want to buy a car right now, so I'll just buy out my lease. They're essentially getting a car between five and $20,000 at a discount versus that same car on the dealer lot used. So they're kind of just waiting out the um, the market to see if it cools down a little bit over the next year or two, since they're, they aren't unhappy with their car, but they also don't want to pay, you know, over sticker or something like that. So Absolutely. Yeah. weird times. That's exactly why I actually ended up getting out of the, the uh, X3 M40i that I had. Um, you know, I, I got that on, on a lease and bought it brand new. So, you know, at the time it was, you know, it was an expensive payment and, um, you know, but it was an awesome car and I had it for about a year and a half. Uh, we actually took it on a road trip down to, uh, through Tennessee and uh, out to Nashville and car was great. It was an awesome ride, good time, um, you know, but again, looking at the market and kind of trying to figure out what I was doing as far as, you know, kind of reducing debt to income ratios to buy the house, um, you know, kind of unloaded that vehicle. And that was one of those ones where I was concerned, you know, because it is a BMW. It, it was a lease vehicle. It's, you know, not always easy to get out of leases. 
and usually a lot of times when you buy a new BMW within a year and a half, you, you kind of take the hit on the depreciation of it. Mm-hmm. But given the market and just the way it is, it literally was, you know, I ended up walking away with a check. So it was kind of one of those things where I got to drive this awesome car for a year and a half and it basically cost me nothing. And I actually made a little cash. So um, just again, an, an amazing time in, in, in the market. One thing I like to ask people is what is your very first memory that revolves around the car? When you think back to your childhood, uh, something just sticks out to you. A memory that, wow. I, I would say, I'm trying to remember when I, when I was a kid, I know that we had, we had a station wagon that had seats in the back that looked out of the back window. And I, I mean, that was just something that was really cool to me. You know, be like, I always wanted to sit in the back seat. That was one of those things where it's like, I never wanted to sit in the middle. I never, I didn't even want to sit in the front, you know, like I always wanted to sit in the back and face out and like see all the cars behind us, which was mm-hmm. just a really cool experience. So I think that, you know, going back to like, first memories of being in a car or a car that um, kind of stuck out to me is, is something like that. Nice. Nice. I love it. <clears throat> That's something that, you know, with, uh, yeah, I feel like, like a lot of eighties kids have like similar uh, recollections and it's something that kids today will never, never appreciate, never understand. Yeah. So my father too. So I, obviously I get a lot of my automotive, um, you know, automotive whatever it is from my mm. father it, it was mm. definitely uh, passed down he's been somebody who uh has been through a lot of different vehicles but he is, always was known for like loving station wagons he was kind of a station wagon guy uh he always had like a cult vista wagon um mm-hmm. which wow. you know, some people may remember those but that was kind of one of those cars that we had maybe five or six different versions of a cult vista wagon <laughs> And my, my brother, John, uh, he actually, that was one of his first cars that like he learned to drive in and everything. It was like, this was the hand-me-down vehicle as you got the Colt Vista wagon. And it was, uh, <laughs> you know. Whatever. They came in all-wheel drive at some point, didn't they, as an option? I'm, you know, I don't remember. They might, they might have, but I don't know if we ever had that one. Yeah. Um, I know like at one point he had one of the, uh, the Pontiac, uh, what was the, the wagon? Not the transport. No. That was like a minivan. No, it was um, a Vibe, Pontiac Vibe. Okay. Okay. You know, he had that, which is like the wagon. Um, I'm trying to remember some of the other wagons that he had. It was just, you know, it was just mm. one of those things. It was like we we either, you know, growing up as a kid, we always had like a station wagon, you know, and, and then until we were a little bit bigger, and then it was like, oh, now we got a minivan, you know. Um mm. So, you know, because I have a younger brother and older brother. So with the three of us, um, you know, having a minivan was kind of the the norm for quite a while. Um, you know, and it's funny because people, you know, you, a lot of people diss minivans. But, you know, as a, as a kid, when I was a teenager, um, you know, finally had my license, like driving a minivan was actually pretty cool because you could take a lot of people to the movies or whatever, like you could bring a lot of people in the van with you. So, um, yeah, you know, it then became more of a party van, not a minivan. So, yeah. 
We had a, uh, growing up when I was a kid, we had a 1987 Ford Aerostar. Okay. Uh, they were, they were fun, these things. And then getting older when we were, um, I don't know, probably not old enough to go out to the bars and things like that, but, you know, old enough to be out. I don't know if I had driver's license at that point, but one of our friends who was a little bit older than us was like a contractor, had like his own contracting business. So you had an Econo line, you know, panel van, and we would just hang out and, you know, party that thing, pull up to a parking lot, just hang in a bunch of us would just hang out in it. Um, so those, you know, those cars are fun. And I think even now there's a lot of, um, like performance variants of, of wagons out there. Uh, I think Volvo has a, a nice looking wagon that's out there. Uh, Audi, of course, has the RS5. Is it the five wagon, Isaac? The six is the wagon. Isaac. Oh, yeah, the RS6. Um, so you can get like, you know, some cars that are functional. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you have kids or whatever, you can put them in there and they can still have fun in it. You know, yeah, as, definitely. A, as, an, as an enthusiast. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember like uh, the big thing was the Dodge Magnum wagon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When that came out with the Hemi and it, it was like, wow, you like, here's kind of a cool looking, stealth looking wagon. Yeah. But it's also got, you know, the, this beast of an engine in it. Yeah. I'm, I, I think Isaac would back me up on this, but I'm huge on, not huge, but I, I appreciate functionality as well as performance so if you can get some if you can get a car that you know you can put a bunch of stuff in and and do whatever or or take it to the track and then one day drive your kids to you know soccer practice that that to me you can you can it's fun you can do a lot of stuff in one car yeah i totally get that and i think you're seeing so much more of that now especially when you think of like the jeep trackhawk Mm-hmm. And you look at stuff like, you know, even the, the BMWs, I mean, the the X3, you can get that in an M, an M competition, the X5, you can get as an M, M competition, uh, you know, like all of these cars, the Audis you can get in the, in the S models, the, the yeah. SQ5, you know, like, I mean, there's just, they're all kind of building performance version SUVs, so much so that like, even the exotics are you got lamborghini Urus. the you know the bentley has the suv and i think um who else did i just see ferrari i think is coming out with one mm-hmm. um so you know it's like one of those weird things that now you're seeing these exotics sports car like that were really uh you know crazy cars now have they're taking the engines and putting them in suvs and you know now you have an suv that's got six seven hundred horsepower it's like this is kind of crazy, but it's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah right. It, it, for the like recently, when as companies have started doing that, it made sense to me because you know SUVs sell like that's, and so why not you know put more power in those because people are going to buy it. And then recently, I heard someone put it a different way, and they basically said the high performance SUVs are kind of like today's midlife crisis sports car and Mm -hmm. so like 20 years ago you know you have a guy in your 40s 50s 60s and they get the the stereotypical midlife crisis car they buy a corvette or they buy a porsche you know it's always been a sports car um but 
the thought process that this person was mentioning is that everyone has become accustomed to all the amenities and features and space of their SUV and trucks. And so the, the new version of midlife crisis sports car is a hot hundred thousand dollar, 800 horsepower SUV that can do it all because it still has all those creature comforts. They don't have to get onto something that's laying on the ground, you know, and crawl down into it and has a rough ride. Like they still have all the benefits of their, their normal vehicle. Yeah, absolutely. Totally makes sense. I've been easier sell to the wife too. <laughs> yeah, it's still practical, right? Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I took the uh, the X3 M40i, you know, on a nice road trip, and and I mean, I, with that vehicle, I still got like 27, 28 miles per gallon. Um, you know, wow. we we drove it all the way through like West Virginia and everything. I mean, it was just it was an awesome drive. It was just a lot of fun. It was comfortable. And uh, yeah, I mean, I could, I could see why people would make that choice over, you know, just, just getting a smaller sports car. Um, you can certainly get the utility and, and everything out of the SUV, but still have a really enjoyable driving car. Mm-hmm. How, yeah. were, how, how were the roads for that? I feel like um, down that area has a lot of scenic drives and uh, is it the Blue, yeah. Ridge, the Blue Ridge Parkway that's out that way too? So I'm trying to remember if we, I think it was 79 or 75. I forget which highway it was. It was either 75 or 79 mm-hmm. uh, all the way through West Virginia. It was absolutely beautiful. You're just kind of cruising through. It's all mountains and uh, absolutely stunning. Um, yeah, we, we actually really enjoyed that trip. Um, awesome. Yeah, we made some stops at some distilleries in, in Kentucky, enjoyed a you know, an overnight there so that we could uh, do some of the bourbon tastings and all of that. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, continued to to Nashville and spent 4th of July last year uh, in Nashville, which was pretty awesome. 4th of July in Nashville is probably insane. We, my wife and I were there a couple of years ago and it's just like, it's a place that everyone needs to experience. Absolutely. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, It was, um, it, it, you know, like people say you got to go to New York or you got to go, you know, even Philly down to the art museum and kind of experience the fireworks. But by far, Nashville is probably one of the best fireworks shows I've ever seen. Um, I left that fireworks show just covered in ashes. So, wow, I cool. mean, that's just, you know, how close we were and how amazing yeah. it was. Yeah, it was, it was definitely the best uh, firework experience I've ever had. So that, that's awesome. Yeah. What kind of um, car shows or road trips are on your bucket list for the next maybe couple of years? Yeah. So um, car show wise, I would love to get to something that Triple F Collection is doing. Um, they're out based out of Ohio um, and they have some crazy cars. They have an amazing collection. Uh, if you haven't checked them out, take a look on YouTube, Triple F Collection. Um, they have some events that they do. Um, and that would be one that I definitely want to, you know, I mean, that for us, it's not that far to cruise, uh, you know, across PA and head out to Ohio. So that would definitely be one for one of their car events that I'd like to get to, um, just general drives. I've, I've always still wanted to do A1A all the way down to Key West, I want to leave from Miami to Key West, but of course, like I want to do that in a convertible. Like I want to rent, you know, 
rent like a mm. Mustang or something or a Camaro and just put the top down or, you know, like that's one of those, those dream drives to just take A1A all the way down. Nice. My yeah. wife and I actually did that. So we got married last year in July and you know, we, we kind of skimped on the transportation for the wedding a little bit with the idea of taking a nice drive, you know? Yeah. And um, my idea was doing like, uh, like, a uh, is, is it Toro, the car app? You can oh, right. Yep. Yeah. So like, I really wanted to get something insane, like a, like a Bentley drop head or something, mm -hmm. something crazy and spend the money on that and have a, a great ride. And it just didn't, it just didn't pan out. It was, um, it was just. They exist, but you, if you're going to rent a car like that, you have to rent it for a certain amount of time, and it's like insane amount of money. So we did wound up getting a uh, – we got a Mustang convertible, and it was awesome. had so much fun. I definitely recommend that drive. Nice. Yeah. So. What's, uh, what's up new with your YouTube? Anything on the horizon there or anything you're looking forward to? Um, I recently new? saw your garage wall, and so that kind of had me intrigued with the plates – um, yeah. So for the plates, that was kind of a neat thing. I, I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do in the garage. I kept going back and forth on, you know, painting the walls and putting up all kinds of different flags. Uh, I was going to get, you know, different car manufacturer flags like a McLaren, Lamborghini, you know, BMW, Porsche, whatever. Um, but I then saw something, I guess it was at a bar they had like vintage plates on the wall or something. And I was like, that would be pretty cool if I could just kind of cover the wall with, with license plates. So um, I went online and found them on Amazon. They actually sell these like vintage, they're, they're like, they are actually aluminum and they are uh, like raised letters. So it looks like a legitimate plate, but it's obviously like a screen printed type thing. Um, you know, and the edges are like, they kind of put some rust on them, you know, like, so it's fake, um, you know, but it looks really cool. So um, I bought like two packs of those and kind of just went to town, put them on the wall. And uh, I think it looks pretty good overall. I mean, there's still space because I kind of just did the center area of my wall. So I have some other ideas for other vintage signs. There's another um, thing out on Amazon that I was looking at where it's like, I think it's like maybe 36 or 46 signs. And it's all like, you know, Shell and Mobile and, you know, like all the different Texaco and all the old gas stations and oil cans and all that type of stuff. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of just keeping that vintage luck going in the garage uh you know so I'll, I'll keep doing some more updates on that as as i do more um mm -hmm. you know and then of course car shows there's a lot more to come this summer um i'm hoping to make it out to corvette's carlisle again uh so that should be a big video um you know trying to think some of the other events there's some other charity events that i'll be going out to so um you know definitely stay tuned there's there's always more to come uh, I'll probably be doing another visit and trip out to the Classic Auto Mall again as well. Um, so always like to do some updates there, find some some really unique things there. The Classic Auto Mall, I love that place. Um, I saw it and I did see your video on that, Mike. Um, we went out there, they had a, uh, 
I don't even know what it was, some type of car show out there in a parking lot. And we got there probably, I was talking to Isaac about this before, got this, we got there like, I don't know, 11, 15. And on Saturdays, that place closes at 12. Mm. But everybody was under the impression that the car, like the, the building was going to close when the car show ended, which was three. So they're like kicking everybody out who are trying to get in. And we only had like 15 minutes to look around. Um, but I love that place. You, you find some awesome stuff in there. Yeah, they uh, always have a really unique collection. Um, I mean, if you even just go to their website, classicautomall.com, uh, you can go out there and see their inventory. And uh, they always have some really, really unique pieces. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, recently I went out with uh, Neighbor Rich mm -hmm. and uh, we went and looked at some Corvettes that they had there. And we kind of tried to find a unique Corvette from each generation. Uh -huh. And uh, we did find some cool ones. We found some of the like Indy 500 pace cars, yeah. uh, you know, like some special 40th anniversary cars. Uh, we found one that was like the Carlisle Blue um, Grand Sport, which was a very unique and pretty rare one to find. So you definitely find some really interesting things there. Um, yeah always kind of a neat place to just go and check out every so often yep 100% Jason keeps telling me about that and I just have not gotten there yet um but one of these days I'll get there yeah, we'll take a ride we'll take a ride it'll be fun I think later in this summer too they're actually hosting the uh Camaro National Convention or Camaro hmm. Camaro National uh meetup or something so uh I know that's later this summer so I'll have to keep an eye on when that is and Maybe yeah. try to make make a video on that one. Nice, yeah, definitely cool. This I, this is just a question. I'm just I like to ask people this. What was your first car, Mike? My first car. So I'm I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. I believe it was really, um, like I borrowed my parents' Honda Civic, which was like the hatchback style Honda Civic for uh -huh. a bit. But like my first car after I got my license that I had. It was kind of like all mine was a Saturn SC2. Hmm. Um, it was like the little red sporty looking Saturn that kind of had like the weird little door that almost yeah, like, it's like, uh, like a Ford Ranger, you know, yeah, yeah, has yeah. like a little side door like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, this had that too, um, mm -hmm. where, where people could actually kind of almost squeeze into the back seats um, yeah. that were basically non-existent, but you know. Uh -huh. Uh, so that was that was really like my first car, um, and I really liked that car because it was it was sporty looking. It was red, you know. It was, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, it had no power, but it was whatever, you know. I was yeah. sixteen and yeah. I was happy yeah. in the car. So absolutely, hundred percent. Was that thing stick or was it auto? Uh, it was automatic. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah, yeah. But it was, um, you know, I mean, it, it was fine. It was it was just easy to take around town uh you know and it was, a, it was a fun fun car it had similar looking wheels though to like the c4 corvettes like those saw blade style mm. wheels mm, um, yeah yeah, yeah. had the same kind of look to that so um you know so it was kind of like i would say that the c4 corvette was always kind of one of those dream cars uh mm. so this was kind of like the poor man's version of like yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. the c4 yeah. corvette so that's awesome love it Nice. Very cool. I will say, um, so like, you know, it's funny when you think about dream cars, I always yeah. like to kind of find out what people's dream cars were or like, what was the poster car you had on the wall? 
Um, you know, and I think for me, one of the poster cars, and it's, it's more unique, I guess, uh, was the Jaguar XJ220. Um, uh-huh. You know, when I was like, after I got my license, uh, growing up all the way up until like, you know, my late 20s, like that was the car that I had a poster of. That was a car that I had like a magazine and I held all the materials about the car. Um, I was just absolutely like excited about the car because it was a supercar like vehicle because it was really one of the first that I saw as like a supercar. And it was touted as one of the fastest cars in the world. You know, the 220 was supposed to do 220 miles an hour. Uh, It was supposed to be a really fast car. It never really lived up to that. Um, you know, but it's still one of those cars that just always stuck out to me. So that was like my dream car. I do. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I had that on a folder in grade okay. school at, at one point. Um, this may pain you to hear. Do you know what happened to one of the original XJ220s? I, I feel like I've heard the story before, but go ahead. So if you guys remember from the 90s, Ford had a... Um, a concept, the GT90. It was essentially mm-hmm. like an updated version of the GT40 from the 60s. Mm-hmm. And it was like when Ford was doing the new edge and like the, the uh, not the Cougar, the, um, yeah, when they brought out the Cougar again in the end of, end of the 90s and it, they were all like triangular shaped and everything like that, they butchered an XJ220 to be the basis of this concept car. Interesting. So I don't know if it was like, I think it was one of the lower production ones, um, like earlier in the production, but yeah, that's from what I understand, they, they hacked up the chassis and use it as a donor for this concept car, which wow. there aren't many of the XJ220s to begin with. And to take one and use it for that purpose, like you could have done something else, I think. Yeah. It's still one of those cars that I'm so intrigued by. I, I have not seen one yet in person, um, but I do know that there was one, I guess there was a CF Charities uh, car show. Um, I want to say it was last year, and there happened to be one there. And I don't remember exactly what I had going on that weekend, but that was one of those car shows that I happened to miss. And I was like kicking myself so much. Oh. I was like, oh my gosh, I could have actually seen the car. Yeah. Uh, so I'm hoping that I will get to see one soon. Um, you know, and if I do, I will definitely do a big video on that. For sure. Yeah, I can imagine. If, if you get your eyes on one, I'm, I'm sure that um, you're going to be a giddy. So. I, can't, I can't imagine there's too many of those things rolling around, though. No, I really don't think there are. Yeah. In fact, I, like, they have to be like a million, like, you know, at least a million dollars. Like... I, I don't think you're far off. I think you're right, because they, they were yeah. very low production to begin with. Yeah. Well, I think we can wrap it up. Uh, Mike, we definitely appreciate you coming on and, you know, I don't know about you, but we'd be happy to have you on again, just to yeah. talk about cars. You, you know, you, um, just going to the car shows, you see all kinds of different stuff and I'm sure you got stories to tell people you meet and stuff like that. So, um, we'd definitely have to have you on again sometime. Um, any final questions, Jason, or final thoughts, Mike? No, I just want to say thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Had a good time and, uh, yeah, love talking cars. So we'll, awesome. we'll do it again for sure. Nice. Sounds good. Well, again, you can follow Mike on YouTube at The Automotive Junkie, as well as on Instagram. Again, that's The Automotive Junkie with underscores between the words on Instagram. Uh, follow 
his channels and uh, keep up with his content, especially if you like car shows and things like that. So again, thanks for joining us, Mike, and um, talk to you guys next time.